Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What is going on, everybody? How are we all doing? Happy New Year. Um, yeah, 2023. Let's do this. New Year, new me. I had to say it. I had to say it. It's definitely not a new me, though. Um, before we start the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe, the usual stuff. Give us a review. Um, we have got some, hopefully, got some interesting things that's happening with the podcast this year. I will explain more when I can talk more about it openly. Um, but yeah, we are in the process of um, working with a bigger company to help grow the podcast, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, hope you had a great Christmas and a great new year and some good time off with your friends and family. Um, and it's podcast time, so we're back on the grind. This week on the podcast is a good friend of mine called Jojo Walker. Jojo is a club booker. She books at Brooklyn Mirage for the underground dance events. She books all of the avant-garde shows for underground dance. She also is an artist manager um, and has been doing it for a long time. She, I initially met her... Uh, during uh, the Halcyon days, which was a club in is a club in San Francisco, she launched the venue with the partners at the venue and was booking the club. She used to book me there, um, and we just built a relationship from there. She's an amazing person. Uh, I love talking to her, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's really insightful for anybody that's trying to get into the industry and trying to either work in the industry on the industry side of things or try and become an artist that gets booked in the industry um so without further ado jojo walker jojo what's cooking hey how are you yeah i'm good thank you yeah Just, um yeah in very cold wet new york at the moment i was there like two weekends ago um for a wedding and it was pretty cold oh for carlos's wedding uh for it? no it's for for anthony's wedding carlos was there uh, which which carlos are you talking about though Finn. oh no i'm talking about somebody else not carlos's no not not carlos's wedding anthony a, vi <laughs> uh, a vision do you know a vision you know a vision yeah yeah of course you do um yeah, for his wedding. And it was the fucking... How was it? It was the wildest wedding ever. Like, I've never been to a New Jersey wedding. 
Have you ever been to one? I can imagine, though. Fuck me. He had L- he had LED screens at his wedding. They had, like, CO2 cannons. It was, like, the wildest thing ever. Who DJ'd? That's always my first question when it's a DJ's wedding. So he has a DJ company, like a, a, a wedding company. So that... Nice. that that those guys those guys those guys did the wedding and then the after party was victor calderon who's his cousin oh yeah 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 nice pretty legit Um, it was pretty legit techno techno after party i can just imagine like it's like aunties and uncles like having a rave but but victor played like a classic new york set so it was like all the like old like proper new york house records it was fucking amazing so good great so good how is uh how's new york living how's life for you yeah it's good the city's um the city's an intense one to live in um but yeah yeah it's good um i'm actually leaving here on saturday to go back to the uk for six weeks yeah so um yeah i'm gonna miss it terribly um it's it's very much home for me now so i've been in the u.s six years now so it's the best yeah. city in the world. I love that place. It's it makes dreams and breaks dreams. Yeah, yeah. But like the hustle of everybody that's here is that they're here to make their dreams. You know, um, there's yeah. definitely a specific hustle of people that move to New York. So well, I think that I think yeah. the thing with New York that I find is that you have to hustle to live there. Whereas like LA, if I know this is not the case, but in LA it feels like nobody nobody works. Whereas in New York, you have to work. Yeah, everybody's getting like a green juice and taking a yoga class in between kind of thing, you know? Um, which I am all about. I, I still do that here, but it, I do it like very early in the morning and then crack on with like a 12 hour day, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love it. I love, I, I miss living there. And if it financially made sense for me to live in New York, I would live in New York. But sadly, it doesn't at this moment in time. No, I mean, it doesn't make financial sense, I don't think, for many people to live here. It's um, it's definitely a lifestyle choice. And you compromise on space, that's for sure. Massively. I mean, but it's, I mean, since I, um, so I had, I had, I would say I've been here six years. I had like a year back in the UK during the pandemic. So it's five, really. But when I came back, um, like, last summer, like summer before this one, in 2021, um, my rent has gone up twenty, uh, went up like twenty, twenty-five percent this year Jesus. from when I first moved back. Yeah, yeah, I've it's, heard it's got crazy, and, and like there's no like rent control no. either. It's wild. Like in San Francisco, it's every, everybody's in rent control places, so you're yeah. kind of protected. But yeah, yeah, the thing with New Yorkers, people don't leave. Like especially if you're New Yorkers, so if they are in rent control, they stay in rent control, and they pass it on in their family. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You just add someone else onto the contract. It's a mad. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not many people own either, as well. It's just hard to get a property ladder here. Everybody rents. Well, I think I think it's because it's so fucking expensive. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, how much is like a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan? Well, funnily enough, I have been looking yeah. recently. So a one a one bed in Manhattan is about it, it the most affordable 
is about 1.25 mil. Yeah. What about Williams uh, And then not far different. Yeah. Bushwick, which is like the area being gentrified like at the minute. Um, you can get something you get something for about 400, 500 grand. What, a one better part then? Yeah. That's gone down massively then. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a f- kind of a friend of a friend. He bought in Bushwick two-bed apartment years ago and he bought it for 850 i think he lost quite a lot of money on it because he sold it during the pandemic yeah i mean yeah two beds i'd probably say it's probably about 650 yeah that's i thought it would be obviously that's a lot of fucking money but like your brain gets skewered because then you get into new york mode and you're like oh bargain yeah. Yeah, and then you yeah. look against the rest of the world and you're like no this is really expensive <laughs> well but... also i'm in detroit mode so detroit mode is like you can buy a house for non- for monopoly money <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> like for, absolutely. for 650 for half a million in detroit you can buy a mansion and i think that's the depressing thing if that's the thing though people here that you're you're spending that money to be in New York, and, and New Yorkers will argue to 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 the death that to live in New York, it. like it's worth yeah. it, you know. Well, it's also investment. If like I, I, like ROI, like it is fucking a great investment. New York property prices, oh, just like every market goes up and down. However, it will always go up. It's it's yeah. not like you're you're buying into a city that. Um, that you don't know the infrastructure of what's going to happen in the future. Like, yeah. Look at, look at how much Austin's gone down in the last like few months after COVID. Like it went up 40% and now it's gone down massively. I, I, I look at property a lot there cause I was thinking of moving there in January and um, yeah, it's, it's mad. So, and so apparently, I don't know if you've heard this, but how many Dallas is now the spot. Fuck that. i love dallas but i would never want to live there yeah apparently all the tech companies are now moving there makes sense not so expensive um there's a lot of people moving there a lot of money and it's 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 apparently the music scene's getting better there as well music music scenes in dallas is fucking wicked um yeah you've got well to be fair there's only one club for me that really talks about that does anything really well but you've got it will do and it is it's mm. very good it's very very good um and what's what's the crowd like there wicked wicked yeah i i i've i've always done depend dallas and austin i've always done okay and um a last show i did i think we did like 700 tickets which is like pretty crazy for dallas yeah definitely like it's it's uh it's definitely a growing market and also it's a young market you've got a lot of university students there and there's a big like younger people that kind of grew up in dallas that are trying to do cool shit one of one of my friends we signed her to the label actually clarity she does like this really cool like fashion and club night so it's like a fashion cat walk show um of like lo- yes, yes. local designers and then she DJs, like DJs and everything like that. Oh, and she, yeah. they like booked it it's fucking wicked i think her boyfriend is does like loads of cool underground shit as well there's there's some cool stuff really cool stuff 
and cool people in Dallas. Yeah. Dallas is a place, bro. And you can eat some fucking good barbecue. What more do you need in life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. How's, uh, how's mum life? Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, being a parent is like 20 emotions in like one Day. sort i guess yeah. like you're like yeah it, you're exhausted it's like the most insane thing that you've created a human being mm. like but yeah he's 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 really funny as well so Amazing. how um, old is he now yeah. so he is eight months at the end of this month so like seven and a half months damn that's gone quick yeah yeah uh, i don't know I, was, I think the last time I saw you was when I was like eight months pregnant, I think. You're about in to Miami. drop. You're about to drop. No, I didn't yeah. see you in Miami. Yeah. No? No, we were no, supposed... Not, in, not at Basel. Uh, um, yeah, uh, WMCs. Yeah, I don't think I saw you. Mm-hmm. Did I? Uh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, at the pool party at uh, DJ um, Mag. DJ Mag, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Mate. it was like t- tottering around waddling around with a baby inside you <laughs> i just done um, i just done a, a, a north american tour with um george from defected we're just done the defected tour we, i don't know we've done like maybe six dates or something it was like a small yeah. thing and i've done them all um and I, we were in miami and uh he was like oh come come to my um come to my room because the sunset's amazing out my window we we're on the same floor and i was like walking over to his room and he opened the door before i got there yeah and i was like did you hear me waddling down the corridor and he was like yeah i was like do you know my model and he was like yeah you have a pregnant model and i know it <laughs> and i was like oh god oh. that's so good yeah. joys of yeah. joys of having a child grow inside you hey Oh, it's yeah. I mean, it's just the most uh, most alien feeling thing in the world. But yeah, but yeah, ma- amazing experience. I like, absolutely loving it. Um, and uh, yeah, how are you, you finding know, the balance? It's really intense. I think yeah. there's 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 a lot of. I mean, it, every child's different, right? So you know, uh, unfortunately, mine does not sleep through the night still now. Yeah. So. Like sleep is out the window. Mm. Um, I'm up generally at like five, five thirty with him in the morning. Um, so it's just like the lack of sleep. I guess like working in this industry prepared me for it to a degree, yeah. but it's like a different kind of it's a different kind of tired. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then I was pretty much back. I mean, I, mean, I didn't take proper maternity leave. I was doing bits because I got events booked. Yeah. So. It's kind of leaning on my team a little bit, but I'd still got stuff happening. Um, and so I was kind of taking it from bits and bobs. And also in the US, like maternity leave is... is what is, is maternity awesome. leave in the US? Well, <laughs> so it's actually not maternity leave. It's called disability insurance. <laughs> because when you have a child, you, you are technically disabled oh and unable gosh. to work. So American. I um, love America. So, yeah, so you get um, between eight and twelve weeks, um, mm. so of, of like weeks off. So yeah. like, 
Um, so yeah, so I've, I've not actually taken all of it, but at the moment you can take it within the first year of when they're born. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty wild because my cousin um, had a baby around similar time, and she's a police detective in the UK, and she's got over a year just yeah. like fully off. Easy. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then you can exactly. go back. You go can go back to in the UK for like six months, and then have another one like nine months later, and still have another year yeah. off. Yeah, and I think that's the fundamental difference between, like, the UK and the US is that you just, everything leans more on, like, the employee's side in terms of, like, business and law and kind of protection, whereas um, in the US, like, you just, yeah. And and, and it's just, like, the culture here is to just keep working. Like, vacation leave is just, like, much, much lighter here as well. It's, I think, I think um, it's, the US, like America's class as a third world country in terms of its like um, level of um, like laws yeah. for kind of just general support, especially around like kind of um, women's stuff like this. So it makes sense. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. No, but like it makes sense it coming from America. It's just yeah. how yeah. the country is set up. Like, I had a meeting with my label team earlier and they are based in England and they were talking about how like they have, they've got holiday left over for, for this year. Um, mm-hmm. And their boss tells them that they have to take it off. And Ryan was like, this yeah. is, Ryan, who's my manager, obviously, you know, um, he was like, that's wild to me. He's like, we don't get that in America at all. It's like, on vac on vacation or holiday, you literally like still are expected to work. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's there's it's it's wild. It's it's really unhealthy. Um, and like speaking as a European that's been based over here, it's like been like a big adjustment. I mean, I I am a workhorse anyway, and I kind of yeah. live for it, but. Yeah, it, it's it's very hard to get downtime, and then I think I think add on top like the fact that that we work in nightlife events that don't stop yeah. just because you want to take a bit of time off as well. So yeah, it's very difficult. You have to be quite firm with them um, with not checking things. And that's all about having a good team around you as well, so that's, people can pick up stuff. That's the thing. Things. That's the thing is having a good team, and I think I think I think I like to hope slowly we're all learning about that is that it's like it's actually okay to switch off and take time out but the thing that i don't take holiday i've i i i took a week i took yeah a week off two weeks ago went on holiday with my family and was sick the whole time of it and then we had to fly to new york for the wedding and was still sick at the wedding and then flew back and was back at work but like i think it's that that thing of like going on holiday i think the fear that i when i speak to a lot of my friends that are employed they go on holiday for a week and then they come back to two weeks worth of work and that, mm-hmm. for me that just makes zero sense i'm like that's yeah. that's not and i i can't remember where i heard it but i think there's like some like companies in because in like europe holiday is very strict um mm-hmm. even like more so than in the uk but um where like these german companies they when you have holiday, they put your email on holiday mode and it literally 
responds to the person going, this person's on holiday. Your email is going to be deleted from their inbox. Please message them next week. So it literally deletes. So like these, these people aren't coming back to like crazy amount of emails and crazy amount of work. That's amazing. I know. Put it back on the person that's trying to contact you. Yes. How amazing is that? That just happened here. My phone would just blow up with people thinking they've got urgent things to contact me on my WhatsApp. Oh God. Yeah. 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 You're right. It's the, it's, it's the anxiety inducing thought of if like, it's easier for me to just keep an eye on a few things and like manage it as I go than it is to like leave things. And I just think there's, there's a fear I think in our industry across the whole, there's like, like from from a promoter's perspective, and I'm sure from an artist's perspective as well, there's there's a fear that you're going to miss out on something. Like an yeah. artist might become available for a show, and they need an offer before like a certain date, yeah. and it's it, there's so much stuff just happens like momentarily yeah. that I think. Um, there's just always a, a, a slight fear of that as well. Um, but you're right; it it, t- it it takes a lot of strength to be able to just um, just switch off, and we need to do more of it. And I think it's more about other people respecting that as well. You know, yeah, it all feeds the wheel. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it, like it's it's also I think it's because we're so involved in what we do on a daily basis it's not like a normal job mm-hmm. and, and this is no disrespect i don't know what a normal job is so i can't speak for them so i can only speak for me myself either. so this isn't me being disrespectful <laughs> to people that work normal jobs whatever a normal job is but like a nine to five like ours yeah. ours is 24 7 purely because we're mostly working with people on all time zones and yeah, and, and, and generally people that we've also a lot of it is has there's layers of personal relationships totally. in there. So it's people that I would like I'll text with you yeah. as like a mate. Yeah. But then like would slip into like a work conversation yeah. as well. Do you know what I mean? Which, it's just and that's just standard. Is also a really weird relationship. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, so so normal to probably you and I, but yeah, yeah probably taking a step back if, if like, yeah. Because yeah, if you think about it, it's like there's, and and I say this all the time, there's people in the music industry that I deal with on a business side of things that if I wasn't in the music industry or if I stopped tomorrow, I wouldn't speak to anymore. And then there's yeah. people in the music industry that they are, I would class them as my friends and I would check in with them occasionally. Or there's some people that I speak to every single day and they're my actual friends, but there's still, yeah. there's still some sort of level of business of relationship. And it's, very how do you balance that because i think before anybody like i know we've not gotten into what you do like but i know what you do so we can talk about that in a bit but like how do you balance the relationship between pleasing friends and helping friends to get their needs but also you getting what you need out of the business side of it yeah well yeah i mean i sorry that's somehow just come through again okay, well. notifications uh, oh hold on a minute let me figure right. this out you might need to cut this but it doesn't matter we can just let everyone know how you failed <laughs> to put your turn your notifications off how how inept yeah it's because i can't switch off from it obviously <laughs> do you need to respond <laughs> 
It's a, it was it was a promoter. Ah, oh, tell him to fuck <laughs> off. Who I have, who I, who I have a, 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 well, yeah, no, it's just a promoter. Um, <laughs> half a friendship with. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a, um, sociable friendly person anyway and 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 i guess like the hospitality side of like the industry is something that i know is really really important and it's something that um has helped me on my journey so it's never really a chore Mm. um and people that i communicate with regularly know that I like them and if I am not communicating with somebody it's because yeah. you know they're not I, I, I have I have a fairly strict kind of approach in in the type of people that I surround myself in within the industry and do business with yeah um because there's definitely different different categories and types of, of people and how they do business and how there they approach is. things and stuff so so yeah, I think I think it's it's a bit like if you're in if 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 you've got my number and I'm chatting to you, it's because I want to, yeah. and 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 then you've got access to me and yeah. vice versa. Um, so it definitely doesn't feel like a chore. And as I say, like every it's all mates, and yeah. I think we're really lucky that. Um, and it's a really small industry, and everyone knows everyone. Um. But yeah, I think we're really lucky that there's just so many good people. And it's similar-minded people. I think that's the thing is because a lot of people are in this industry because they're passionate about music. Yeah. Uh, they're passionate about um, what, you know, from my side of the event side of things, like the the, the experience that, mm. that music brings people together to have and the community around that. Um, it, it automatically means that you've got a lot in common yeah. with people in, you know, in terms of like your core, like a lot of the time your core values and beliefs and, and totally. how you kind of live your life anyway. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it also goes back to that hustle thing, isn't it? Is like what you were talking about living in New York where a lot of people can relate by living into New York is you've got the hustle. It's the same as the industry. It's like, you don't come into this industry earning good money. You come into this industry at the bottom of the pits and you have to work your way up to the to get to wherever you want to get to. And the only way to do that is by putting the fucking work in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's not for the faint hearted at all. And I think I think there's a mutual respect amongst uh, people in the industry across right. the board as well that we're that we're generally all. I mean, I mean, no one's in this industry because it's got guarantees. No, you know, not like that's not why you do it. Um, so anybody that's in it and has been in it for a while, like there's just that automatic connection yeah. anyway, you know, and everybody's got a story of kind of how they, they, um, they got into it. And yeah. Well, I think also it's, it's like, that, no, it is amazing. And it's like, it's not an industry that you go into. Well, I don't, maybe it's different now, but like going in thinking, oh, I can earn a shit ton of money and this is going to create a lifestyle for my fam for my future family and for whoever is in my life to to kind of financially support them and everything like that yes there are people that are that successful however for me i feel like it doesn't start with that whereas like if you wanted to become a doctor or if you wanted to become a lawyer you know at a certain level you are going to make money whereas there's in this industry there's people that are still there's there's no like guarantees of what you're going to achieve 
Well, well, no, and you can, and you can, you can hit the like peak or top, and and then it's about sustaining it yeah. as well, right? So you could be earning amazing money for a very short period of time, 100%. or then you can you can stay consistent with it. Um, you must have seen say, that as a booker, where you've seen multiple hundreds of artists, where at a point they are you are like they are extremely expensive they are worth a lot of money ticket value and that lasts not very long yeah yeah it, it it's an interesting conversation between booker to booker um or talent buyer to talent buyer in u.s terms um, when we talk about shelf life of artists yeah um, and it's been many times where we've taken friendly bets on on whether someone's going to be um we talk about artists quite a lot in terms of um Various ways, but one's obviously ticket value, yeah. um, and uh, and hard ticket value in yeah. particular. Um, so and and just because we book so far in advance, um, like I've been talking today about the festival that we we own here um, in New York for next year, but we're also talking about the following year yeah. from that. So that is September twenty twenty four. Yeah, you know you need to be thinking about like and, and you don't know what music mm. they're going to release what other festivals are going to be booking them what yeah. other shows they're going to be doing what you know opinions they might have on their social media or whatever the factors you know kind of play into someone's popularity um between now and then um so yeah it's really interesting and you do see it and and sometimes it's surprising and there's, listen there's there's no secret source because no. if there was then we'd all be bottling it and selling it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, a lot. yeah. I think for me, that's like, let's just use Chris Lake, for example. Like Chris, and I've discussed with this, with him on the podcast, like Chris has had three careers in his one career. He had his yeah. days when he released changes and kind of founded Dead Mouse and was kind of brought Dead Mouse through and then kind of had his moment. Then he then had his, edm days and now he's at the chris lake of where he's at like during those times he sold tickets and then he didn't sell tickets Uh, it's the same for me is like i'm on a much smaller level but like when i first came through on dirty bird i could sell a few tickets then i had a, a a down period of where like i was a bit confused of where i wanted to go as an artist and i couldn't sell tickets and now I can, in a few places, sell a few tickets. Like, yeah, it's it's it is very interesting on how you have your peaks and troughs as a as an artist. Yeah, I mean that's got to be pretty hard on your mental health as well because it's 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 something that it's it's a feeling. I'm sure that it relates to a feeling of worth as well. Like yeah. you know, um, in terms of uh what you know what individual artists are striving for but yeah um and like i think that's amazing for chris lake to have had no one wants to see like the, the uh, seeing an artist evolve is the coolest thing yeah uh I, I, I love it when artists have fans that have stayed with them from the start as well um but yeah i think i think it's I think it's amazing to be able to do that. And he's still, you know, a festival headliner level act. Um, yeah. Or anchor act, as I would call it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a great example of, um, of, of how people kind of... But yeah, there's, say, there's no secret source. I think um, a lot of it is to do with 
you know, strategy, people you've got around you, timing, yeah. what else is going on in the world, what else is going on with other artists mm. and all sorts of stuff. Yes, it must be really like, I actually would love to do what you do for a bit or like have a part. Right, let's just cut to chase. You book you book artists to play in venues. Like, so I met you initially working when you were working with Halcyon in San Francisco. That's when I believe the first time we met. Um, so, yeah. And I played for you many of times at Halcyon. Um, yeah. During the good old days of Halcyon. I loved that place. Um, had some good fun times. Um, <clears throat> and now you are at Brooklyn Mirage. Yeah, yeah, and, correct. And what else so, do you do? Because yeah. I know you do other things. Yeah, so so I mean, I originally started out in management. Yeah. I work for Shine Management, um, who predominantly do like Carrie Turner's management. Yeah. So that was like my first job in the industry. And then, yeah, and then I moved. Um, I had an events uh, background anyway. I actually was trained as a TV producer. Like really? that's what I did at uni. Oh wow! Yeah, I uh, I uh, actually was a, um, a researcher and I think I just, yeah, I was like a studio floor manager for The Apprentice. Is this your claim to in fame? In the UK, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did yeah. You, did Alan you meet Sugar. Sir Alan Not, Sugar? Yeah. Wow. How was yeah, he? Helped in him rehearse his lines. Um, yeah, he, he didn't let me know that he knew my name for a good six months. Wow, what a dickhead. And I was working with him one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, the TV industry is is terrible for, like, hierarchy yeah. and power plays. And, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't like it when I got out. But, um, but yeah, I fell into events from there, which is why I ended up doing event stuff in... Um, in the music industry ultimately because it's just kind of like my, my comfort zone I guess yeah. I, I love um, creating experiences for people and seeing people having an amazing time mm. like that's like you know my bag but, but yeah so I yeah so Halcyon uh, we launched in 2016 um, and then I founded a little festival in Hawaii um, which I did the talent for as well um i have consistently throughout all that time managed a jazz house artist called Pakazat. oh cool i didn't know um, that. yeah so that's been like seven eight years now yeah. um and i now um so yeah so now after hawaii i've moved over to new york um i used to book elsewhere here for a short period and um, i now book um avant gardener the brooklyn mirage and kind of the group um of, of companies that, that avant gardener owns um so um i'm director of underground programming here so i do all the underground stuff um and all the creative stuff so i book city fox um and all the in-house brands and then i manage like the external brand relationships so like we do 9,000 person boiler room yeah. every summer um uh yeah right loads of cool stuff so yeah so that's what i do now and then i'm also head of north and south america for defected um events cool. so, and glitter box nice so so, yeah, so you're busy yeah yeah <laughs> busy but like i live for the chaos yeah. um i don't know how to operate any other way but yeah so that's yeah so that's what i do so Predominantly DJ bookings, basically. Okay, so I want to get into the the head of a booker. Okay, yeah. um, 
what are the conversations you have with other bookers when you're who do we who are we booking? <laughs> Come on, give us some juice. Well, so, so I want to know how you talk fun. about us. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, well, so it's it's all contextual to so so each market's pretty different. Yeah. So and you know and and especially in the US, obviously each state is like a different country. Yeah. Um, so you have to know your market. Mm -hmm. So if I was talking to, um, uh, another booker here, then, um, and we'd be talking about like, like I've just been in a meeting now about EZU for, yeah. um, for next year and yeah. the year after. That's literally what I just finished before I came on with you. Is that with and we're chatting about, and we're chatting about anchor acts. Okay. Basically. What's an anchor so, act? So you book top down yeah. on a lineup. Um, so, and that's how you curate. Well, it, not, not all bookers book like this. This is the thing. It's one of my pet peeves really. But, but so, so you book, you book top down in terms of anchor act and that will eat, that could either be for pull, which is like ticket value yeah. or it can be for sound curation. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then you see you have to program the stage so that the sound works, not with the biggest act at the top playing last. That's my little pet peeve. But it's actually <laughs> my pet. It's actually my pet peeve as well. I'll be totally okay. honest. I'll be totally honest. There's <clears throat> some festivals. Not, club nights are a bit different, I think, because mostly it's your headlining, unless it's like a very big venue. Um, but like, let's. I kind of. Although Brooklyn Mirage isn't a, is a club, I would class it more as a a venue, a fe, a, like a hard ticket venue than a soft yeah. ticket club. Um, yeah, so it, I kind of wouldn't necessarily. I'd class it more as like a festival booking rather than a a club booking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of festivals in and around the world that just doesn't make sense musically. Uh, yeah, and 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 that. I mean, it's it's a, it's always a you're doing a trade off really because um, when you're booking an event, you want people to come early, buy drinks, stay for the duration, and wait for that act to come on, and that's yeah. a business financial of course. Yeah, weighted, yeah. weighted decision. I totally get that, but um, the, the experience of the fan. Um, should always be kind of one of the priorities and that needs to have like music curated that builds and gives yeah. an experience and a journey. And, and that's what, that's how I curate and that's what I'm passionate about. Um, and it also just means that you're positioning the artists to give the best performance yeah. as well. It's, it's nothing worse than, than a peak and trough of a night and you have artists that are just thrown off completely and, yeah. you know, just aren't feeling set up for success. I always so. use this as an example. I played after Chris Lorenzo once at a show and Chris is as much as I love him. He plays so hard compared to what I would play. And you're just mm. like, where do you, where, there's nowhere I can go. It's pointless. <laughs> like, you're like, what have I got? Yeah. To like, like <laughs> I know this whole crowd is going to leave. <laughs> Because it's yeah. like, I have to start from scratch and I'm literally going to start from scratch. And yeah. they're not going to necessarily like it because I'm not going fucking hard. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's really interesting how... It must be hard though because 
You're booking artists. Okay, say so head. I'm gonna call them headliners. You call them anchor acts. Okay, so yeah. you, you get your headliner, and then you get into the politics, right? So the headliner earns the most money to a majority of the time. Yeah. Um, they sometimes get a say in the curation of the lineup, right? In certain situations. Uh, that depends on the offer yeah. and the deal that you do with them. So um, if it's, so, so for example, um, if, uh, if I was booking like Amelie Lenz for a techno show and she was the headliner and it was Brooklyn Mirage, then we would do mutually agreeable support because it's a show around her yeah. and her sound. Yeah. And that makes sense. If, it, if I was booking City Fox and you've got Dixon as the headliner, mm. um, generally there would be a trust there that I would curate. Correctly. To the sound of the brand and yeah. correctly, yeah. So, that, I mean, there wouldn't be an issue anyway. But, but yeah, there's, there's situations where the, the acts... Aren't. And then it's just more like the, comment, the question you get back is, what's the billing, um, and what's the ROS from the agent? Because um, they want to know where their act's going to be placed, what 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 it's going to look like. What did you say? The ROS? Did you say? Yeah, run a show. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So what, what slot have they got? Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And TVC, I wanna... TVC, yeah. HZ, always. always. <laughs> I want to get into that in a bit. Um, <laughs> but I guess, so So you get your headliners and then every, you get the fillers be behind or sometimes you get how, there's so many artists that that sometimes fit on a lineup, but it must be so hard to find an artist that's actually free and that fits the sound that you want to get. How much of it is working with agents and going, Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of this person. Let's put them on. Or how? Or is it like I want this person, and I'm going to go get this person? So, yeah. So I work generally to the latter. Yeah. Um, and to do to do that, um, you have to be organised and early. Mm -hmm. um, our underground, like my area of like specialty, like underground house and techno, um, generally is more like last minute Lucy with yeah. um bookings um with a venue like this you can't be I'm competing with uh we've got an EDM booker and um, a live concerts booker concerts is like full tours that yeah, get all and they've got like full touring teams so you know it's not just one band thank you band with like yeah, one yeah. DJ on it's 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 the whole situation so so you have to be super organized um so, and, and I mean, this is, a, so I have very different conversations now with the venue that I book now compared to say when I was in the Halcyon, um, day, literally yeah. in the Halcyon days, um, because a 400 cap club is nine, uh, in a secondary market of San Francisco is never the, the anchor date yeah. for an artist to come and do a tour. Yeah. Whereas Brooklyn Mirage generally yes. is the anchor date yeah. so so I'm, I'm in a privileged position now for, for the most part where I can if I'm if I'm early enough then the agents will then build the tour out around the New York show yeah is your favorite um, word anchor <laughs> Basically, I, I wish this was one of those things where I've like had a mate say to me how many times can you get the word anchor into the podcast <laughs> 
but it's genuinely not. <laughs> oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Carry on. You know, like when people are like, see if you can see if you can put the word pineapple into yeah. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just say, think about sailors all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I took you off track. Um, so you're yeah, I don't know what I was saying. So you're in a privileged situation where you have Brooklyn Mirage as a anchor of people's tour, and how people want to play the venue and want to be a part of the venue in comparison to yeah. a smaller club in a city that, especially now, doesn't really have the best house music scene. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And 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 with Halcyon, we like launched that venue yeah. and like opened it up. So I was going like into a market that basically every single act it was either a first time play ever in a city, yeah. or they they had a relationship with another venue. So you're either stealing an act from another promoter, yeah. or you're taking the risk on on a new new artist. So yeah, yeah very very different. Um, our smallest room here is um, like eight hundred cap. Yeah. So it's the border size of Palestine. Um so yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. Um it, I absolutely love it. It's fun curating yeah. lineups and it's fun negotiating. Um uh I there's there's not many um women that do my job in America. There really isn't. Um in in general in general, like obviously we know that it's a very heavy male industry come on everyone's been talking about it for god knows how long but like mm. i think like especially your role i don't i don't know yeah. many other female bookers i know there right. are but i don't know off the top of my head like so yeah so there's leslie who just stuff in ibiza yeah i sorry i was uh, talking about in america but yeah in america yeah you yeah. got you got the the Les, leslie and all of the ushuaia and the high people most of them are women yeah Jody, Jody, yeah. Gabby, yeah 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 they're all cool yeah no i don't think i, I don't think i know another female booker in the us there's there's something about it though and this is what i always said with halcyon when you guys first opened um that was a club ran by three women pretty much um you Rhea and uh oh Gina my, Gina oh my god she's gonna kill me um she is gonna kill me <laughs> sorry Gina um there was just something about the the vibe that having three women run a venue gave off and it was just like such a homely vibe going to play that club um did you feel did you feel nurtured by us well i did i really did yeah. and like you don't get yeah. that with guys and like i'll be it's honest normally like an old dude sat in the yeah corner. like scratching his fucking ass <laughs> in the corner drinking a pint and it's all like doing lines in the fucking bathroom and you're just like oh come on <laughs> but it's like you like i always said that about that venue um yeah. and it was it was special times then when it when you guys first kicked off and I wonder I wonder when that happens again. Uh, Jen Lyon, she is also in a booker, but she's more of a promoter. Yeah. Um yeah. but now she is a more of a promoter, but yeah, she's she's great as well. Um how how do you get at your point in your career? How do you get to Brooklyn Mirage? How did how for you like how is it how do you do that? 
Uh, I mean, right. This, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess um, I'm very driven. Um, I did not. Um, I did not ever um, imagine or sit as a child and want to be in dance music. It was. Um, something that i loved in my i loved music yeah. my uncle actually introduced me to dance music um and then i went to uni in liverpool um where cream was a nation and like that was my saturday night so um so just like embedded in it from a very young age and just so passionate about it and loved it so and so i fell into the industry really from having good relationships with people and really that's been the way that, I mean, you know, we opened Halcyon because I met Gina and we decided to open the venue. Yeah. Um, I got headhunted for this role um, through MJ. The best. Um, connect, connecting me with MJ and I, uh, uh, good friends, and he connected me with the VP here, who is also now a dear friend. Um, and, um, they would just like, what's it going to take for you to come and work yeah. with us? So I love that. Yeah. MJ's, yeah. The, MJ's the best, isn't he? Yeah. Very special human. He is. I still never he know is. what he does. Cause he does everything. <laughs> Do you know his email, his email um, signature is just the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start calling him that now. So good. Yeah, you should. He'll love it. He'll absolutely love it. That's so good. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I I had him on the podcast a while ago, and he's he's an amazing human. I only got to know him during COVID. I didn't know him before COVID. I didn't have a fucking clue who he was. Like I, yeah. I literally like, and Ryan obviously knew him, but like when Ryan and I first started working together, he didn't mention. MJ or anything like that. it just like all of a sudden popped up it's like MJ's the man and we got talking and yeah he's he's amazing um, yeah we uh we we um during the pandemic uh he started a little business called like a like a health website called um plan T, and I ended up being an advisor on it for about six months really <laughs> I, I love his. And you know, it was amazing because him and I were on calls together like every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was, it was great. Yeah. He's, it was just funny because we, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 um, he knows everyone yeah. as well. You know, he knows absolutely everybody. So he's the quintessential yeah. of, of New York hustle. Mm. Immigrant New York hustle. Like, he, yeah. obviously, his family's from Belarus, but like, he, you grow up with that immigrant mentality of just fucking hustle. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And he and he's an um uh, another person who is just always on, always thinking about things in different ways, yeah. always pushing, always making new relationships. Very happy to introduce you yeah. to anyone and everyone. Um, yeah, and and him and I definitely like feel like kindred spirits we operate in a very similar way um mm. and i respect that in him massively you know well i think there's <laughs> there's gatekeepers in this industry that are 
willing to open the gates for people mm. and he's one of them like yourself as well and there's there's not many of those people i feel like there's still a lot of people that just want to keep those gates open and hold a bit of power um which is sad but it is what it is it's it's life and there's nothing you can do about it but you come across the gems and they're the people that you always want to have a relationship with and that they're the people that you used to keep around in your life yeah yeah and i think that goes like out for like relationships outside of the industry 100%, as well, right? 100 um, but yeah i mean that's what i was saying when i was saying earlier like the certain like is definitely like a way that i operate and then i generally circulate with other people that, that have that mentality like i'm very pro innovation very pro progressive thinking yeah. very pro like inclusion of all levels of team members yeah. in decision making and thinking and definitely don't think that i have the right answer yeah. you know the majority of the time and um just want to have fun and create cool shit you know um well, with other with other cool people well i think so. it's also like it's about taking the ego out of it right and it's about being able to just like step back and go you're in the position where you're at because you've worked hard and you've got and you're good at what you do like you don't need to prove to anybody now you just need the no. you need the end goal to succeed and you need to do whatever it takes to do that and whether that is take advice from an intern it's we'll take advice from an intern and it does there's no 100 percent. i mean the interns are the ones that are going out night after night after night yeah you're not energy, you're fucking looking you after know? your child I'm I'm tied to my home till yeah. seven pm. Yeah. You know, like, like and 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 absolutely, like that's I I mean that's one thing that comes with I hate to say it, but like getting slightly older yeah. in the industry, like you know, I, I and and also having a family in the industry, like I my time is super limited. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, you have to lean on people. I I wouldn't be, you know, one. Like I wouldn't be anywhere near. Um, I wouldn't be anywhere near as as capable with what I do day to day if it wasn't for um, trusting and relying on other people. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I think it's really important, and I think you're you hit the nail on the head about getting older, and kind of like I see it. I notice it especially after COVID. Like playing. I've said this a million times on this podcast. So sorry for anybody that's listened again, but like I remember playing a festival in Leeds mint fest and i went and played and looked out and was like it was literally right after covid as well so it's sometimes some people's first festival back and i was like yeah. there's kids that and i don't mean that in a derogatory way they were kids they're 18 year olds that two years ago they were 16 year olds and they've never been to a club they've never experienced mm -hmm. electronic music outside of their headphones in or that whatever in their house or on their phone or on that they've never experienced it and that just was like a huge realization that like i you have to evolve and you have to like keep your ear on the ground because how many artists did you see during covid that thought they had a level of ego where they thought you're kind of untouchable it would come back and you would yeah. be booked everywhere again mm. and there was god knows how many people that, that are still are no, no longer around or just trying to like mm. holding on by a thread it's, yeah it's crazy 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. Like I think I always have in the back of my mind 21 to 25 year olds here or like 18, I guess, like 23 year olds in Europe are the little pocket that's the pocket time yeah. in a lot of people's lives where you have you you have the energy to yeah. go out a lot uh and that's what you want to be doing and that's yeah. what all your friendship group is doing as well and so in my mind i'm always like well there's every single year there's a whole entire new yeah. group of people that we can get to tap into um that potentially have got slightly different music tastes that are coming from up from a new generation yeah. that um we've we've got to cater to, yeah, you know? Totally. So, and you, there's only so many events that you can do that, that you know, and, and this is part of the thinking of what we do when we structure the grid for the summer at the Brooklyn Mirage is, you know, you want to be doing events that cater for all different types of crowds, but you also have to take into consideration the type of crowd that will attend a certain type of artist's gig and whether they will only come out once a month on yeah. a Saturday, for yeah. example, because they've maybe got kids, yeah. right? Totally. Versus, versus, you know, your Friday night um, acts that can go till seven o'clock in the morning and, yeah. and they can play two times a month. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely... So you only book trance acts like once a, once a month? <laughs> <laughs> I love trance. That <laughs> <laughs> was that was like so. There was a, there was a club. Um, so I'm from a small town in the Midlands in the UK called Ashby de la Zouche, which is where um, Adrian Mole was from in the books. Um, it's 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 super small, um, and there's a town nearby called Colville, and that had a quote-unquote super club that I think still is running now but um called the Emporium and it had uh Ferry Corson, JFK, Judge Jules like week after week after Who's week. Who's JFK? Of, like, uh a trans act. Oh I've never heard of JFK. Oh, check him out well <laughs> <laughs> introducing you to some classic trans. Um <laughs> oh, trans. but they uh yeah so that was like that was that club was filled with people um week in week out with like the furry boots yeah. and the glowing stuff and, and whatever and that was where when i was um first going out we go to the pub and then we'd end up in this super club mm. so trance music was like huge. like a huge part of my yeah my growing up my youth um, so yeah and, and actually you know trance music is 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 present in a lot of the popular um labels and acts of today just yeah. presented in a very different form oh 100 look at afterlife and i don't mean yeah, that like exactly it, yeah. they will probably hate me saying this but it's trance in a slow way in yeah it's, it's, melodic yeah, yeah exactly exactly it's it's um and look yeah, how big that brand with... look how big that brand is yeah yeah absolutely because it's because it's trance made sexy yeah yeah, yeah. sexy people with the money they all want the tables you know well i think it's also demographics right it's also like who the djs are and who do they hang around with turns mm -hmm. out to be the demographic of who turns up to see them play yeah i, yeah. I i'm a firm believer yeah. of that yeah 
Yeah, I think so. Because you surround yourself with what you like. Exactly. Well, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's use. So it's kind of a reflection of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's use Solomon for example. Like he sells a fuck ton of tables. Like yeah. Afterlife, black coffee. Like it makes sense mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And then yeah. Claude von Stroke, maybe not. Mm, definitely. It's yeah. it's just, and I think it's just that it's how you choose or who you choose to be as an artist and who you choose to attract your attract to yourself. It's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a genre thing to a certain extent. I think it's how your brand is perceived. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. How, Absolutely. How do you, and, that, and that then relates to where you get booked as well. And how know? much you earn massively because I, massively. I think people don't I like I know this and you know this of course but like if you're selling 200 tables you're worth a fuck ton more than somebody selling 200 general admission tickets completely completely and there's, there's, there's really a pocket full of um artists that sell a, like so, I mean, Buckingham Mirage is 5,000 yeah. capacity. There's only a pocket full of underground house and techno acts that sell that amount of tickets. Yeah. Um, and then there's a pocket of those that sell really high tables, mm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. How do you keep that fresh, though, for, as as a as a venue? How do you keep the bookings fresh? Because, like, you don't just want to be booking the same people. No, and it's it's really important when you've got a venue space of any kind that you are changing the experience for when people so because you want people to come back time and time again, and if they feel like they're getting carbon copy the same thing, yeah, um, they'll go somewhere else, yeah. you know. Um, so I mean, with us here, we do do a, a, a slight variation on genres, um. But we also do a lot of branded events yeah. um, that are that are takeovers. Whether that's um, Alro, yeah. um, that's like very heavy on like scenic and decor, um, and you know, or whether it's like City Fox, which is like very heavy on creative production, um, and that can completely transform the space and the experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's all about variety, yeah. um, and and there's. there's there's enough artists out there um, and, and you know, it's important, I think, and it's how you package things and position it. You can have, um, you could have Carl Cox come through three, four times a year, but create, curate a completely different event out of it, you know? Yeah. So. yeah, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's about giving a fan experience. And I think that's, is that something you have to deal with as a booker where you're thinking about the fan experience as well is that or is that more on the promotions team where you're like how do we actually curate this event rather than jojo's given us carl cox and we've got him four times this year how are we going to make every individual one different so no so the, or the curation and the creative is all um on me and then i will pass it over to like our marketing team for them to tell people about it right or i'll pass it over to our production team to actually like make Make stuff happen 
That's cool. But yeah, the idea, the idea. So, so one of the things I do here is is it's called creative programming, but it's basically like I develop ideas for brands and 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 like in-house brands. So we've just launched one called Copacetic. That uh, we had DJ Boring do an extended set last Friday. We've had Seinfeld, Fort Romeo, and Volta, and it's um, it's a small, it's, it's our smaller room. But um, the concept, it's got like a whole brand concept. Yeah. It's got its own social profiles. It's got a booth in the round on the mm. floor with a rug in it. It's got art installations. Like it's a whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the exact point of that is that we're giving something to people that is different to just mm. coming and seeing a dark room with some lights and a DJ um, at one side of it, you know. I also think that's really important because I think there's... Always is I've always noticed that with Brooklyn Mirage as a company as a whole, I guess, is like it is always about evolving and doing what can you do to kind of sell another ticket to the same person. Because realistically there's still only a hand there's only a certain amount of people that are gonna come to your shows in New York. So it's like how do we get them? And although I think Brooklyn Mirage is a destination venue where people fly in to go there to see them to a certain extent, but you can't rely on that. No, I think, and I think that that is one of our goals really as a venue is that we would love to be for this, a certain demographic of person coming yeah. to New York. I would love it to be a bucket list thing that yeah. they're like, while I'm in New York, I need to go to the Brooklyn Mirage, yeah. you know? Um, that's something that like we kind of strive towards, but yeah, it, it, it's, I think, yeah, it's it's about making um, the experience different. I mean, our, we 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 take down and rebuild the Mirage yeah. every year. Yeah. So it is it is it is literally an evolving product. Um, like this last year, just gone, we added um, a roof. We added like a couple of different sections. Um, you opened it out completely really, as well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's 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 a real creative maze um to be able to put events on and we added the giant led screen, LED screen yeah. um <laughs> this is a little bit big um <laughs> so yeah so so you know in terms of like adding bits of creativity like i've just booked a, a brand a record labels party for next year that's quite um uh it's going to be announced in january but um for that show to, to get that show um i basically pitched in like a full rendering of what we're going to do Amazing. with the mirage space yeah um, and we're going to get custom built um uh specific pieces of that mm. um um built built off site and then yeah. brought in you know so, so there's a lot of thought goes into it and we we yeah we're in i mean it's it's i say this this role for me is great because i get to be super creative with and actually get to make all these cool things happen yeah. you know we've got we've got a scenic director um who he works with my warrior and all day i dream and and mm. it's super creative and and he takes my ideas and, and brings them alive yeah. so I love that. Yeah, I love cool. that. It's really important as well. I I think it is really important. I think I don't think gone are the days of dark sweaty clubs, but when you have a venue as big as Brooklyn Mirage, you have to create a fan experience that gives people well, that tickets are expensive. So it's like what am I paying yeah. for? And and I think yeah. you have to give value for money in this day and age. 
I mean, in New York now, you I know, know, I know a, dr- a drink is 20 bucks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. I could drink pretty much if a, co- a cocktail anywhere, it's about 20 bucks. A yeah. glass of wine is about 20 bucks. A beer is over 10 bucks. Yeah. Like standard price. It's, it's wild. And like ticket pricing, um, I mean, it's, it's a real sensitive time for ticket prices at the minute and well, it's, it's really expensive. hard to try and make, make things work. It is expensive. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to work hard to work ways around that. Like for copacetic, we've been doing packs. Yeah. So we can do it, we can do it cheaper if we know that we're selling it at mass. Um, and we do like special like free lists and, and different things. But yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's expensive to go out to a show these days. Mm. Um, just because, everything's gone up in price so much. Yeah. So there's, there's no like wealthy part to take the money from, you know? Yeah. It's and just, I, I think just... also you've got to think of, you got to be realistic as well. The DJs you're booking in the big shows, they are expensive artists and they, I think it's now kind of turning around to a certain extent. You might be able to tell me if I'm wrong, um, that, kind of gone are the days where the artist gets screwed over and everyone else makes more money than the artist it's like now it's like it's an even playing field and we know you as an artist you know your value to a certain extent and how much money is going to be made yeah yeah well and it's the deals that get done at this level um generally you do a deal where the artist takes uh, like profits from yeah. like the ticket revs. So everything's on the table, of you course. know, yeah. um, and everything's very transparent. So, which is perfect because, because we're a hard hard ticket venue. Yeah. So you get to see your ticket worth, which which is really valuable to an artist as well. But yeah, I think I think there was wishful thinking during the pandemic that DJ fees might go down, and actually everything no. really went up. Um, well, I I don't think they necessarily went up, but I think. What happened is that the the divide between the bottom and the top became more apparent, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd say that. I think. I think now, like, flights are so expensive. Like, yeah. just to travel to tour is so expensive. Like, artists have to charge a bit more for it to make sense yeah. for them to leave the homes. Yeah. Um, and I totally get that. It's it's just it's just re- it's a really tricky time because. It, unfortunately it does end up getting put, put onto the ticket price yeah, you know because totally. to make the events happen it's just impossible otherwise but yeah artists artists do know their worth um again like because we're, we're the biggest venue in new york that's doing what we're doing um we're really the the kind of price setter in the market yeah so i'm very wary of that and try and yeah. um try and uh, protect kind of the other venues, the smaller venues in the city so much, somewhat, because um, it's important that, you know, we all help each other. Well, it's how, um, it's how, it's how culture is built, right? And mm-hmm. New York forever had an amazing culture of clubs. And I think there was a period where it kind of got lost a little bit um in the edm days when you had all these clubs in manhattan kind of pop up Um, yeah yeah well and and i mean listen manhattan and brooklyn are like two separate cities and they're like i i class them as separate markets like there's there's a couple of vip clubs in manhattan at the moment that are 
uh, paying quite high DJ fees compared to what we would pay for artists because they're uh, bottle service clubs, yeah. right? And I'm just like, go take the check, yeah. do the gig. It's not going to hurt our show because no one that's coming to our venue is coming, to no. dance is going to that that bottle service club, yeah. right? So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's amazing yeah. that you can that you have the knowledge that you to allow that because I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't purely because they want the exclusivity of that in their venue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've I've tried to fight. I mean, it's, do you know what? A lot of agents that will just do it anyway and not tell you. <laughs> to know and, and you know um and i think i think if, if you approach things like that then everybody's a bit more transparent with each other and people yeah. don't take the piss yeah. really um but yeah new, like new york in general like brooklyn's very different yeah. to to manhattan it's its own scene now there's a lot of amazing venues here there's a lot yeah. of really small venues like nowadays it's got like its whole a whole community and um its whole residents and stuff and it's doing amazing stuff um yeah there's some great spots so yeah very I, proud to be part of it i like elsewhere i really have fun there playing there as well sometimes it's, it's always a good vibe um is what's the is that club the club's not red room but it is a red room good room but it, good, good room, room. room good room yeah yeah is good room still open yeah that was a fun club that yeah was, yeah that, see that's only like 200 packs i think the small little club <laughs> yeah but it's fun yeah super fun super fun that's yeah. what that's what new york's about for me really is like dungeony kind of dark shitty venues that you wipe your feet going out of because it's so disgusting inside it's it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) um you're not gonna be able to tell me this but i want to ask it (laughs) i don't want to know who but what's the most money you spent on on an artist Uh, well so, well, for a show or like I've done like uh, like sort of semi residency deals, yeah, right? No, so like you for have a to show. give me like for one for one for performance. one show, yeah. <clears throat> um, it's I, I, well, let me think about this. It's 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 well, there's definitely I can think of a few that's been in the three hundred grand yeah range. But I'm trying to think if for one show I've done up to half a million. Yeah, really? Like up up in up in that range. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. How do you get to that as an artist from a booker's perspective? Um because you're a booker and a manager, right? And you've worked on both sides. You work with agents on a daily basis. Like <clears throat> you know the ins and outs of the industry. How does an artist yeah. get to that? If they're like brand new artists, I want to be earning five hundred thousand in ten years' time a show. Mm-hmm. What what would be your game plan? So, well, I actually have like a bit of a like. I've, I've always said whenever I talk to you about it, there's like 
four, when you're starting out, there's four main things that you have to consistently work on to progress forward. Yeah. Like one, uh, one's, one's your music. Mm-hmm. The other one is the other one is gigs and bookings. The other one is your marketing and how you're presenting yourself and growing your fan base. Yeah. And and the other one is your industry relationships. Yeah. And if you're feeding those four things all the time, mm. and then you know there's a bit of luck and timing yeah. thrown in there, um, then then that's 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 really the best way to progress. I mean, a lot of artists that have done really well have got really good stories as well, and people people it's people are emotive especially when it comes to music yeah. like if you look at black coffee and his success like people feel a real ownership to his story yeah. and and to kind of how he's um his journey but also his music aligns with that yeah. you know as well um he did um three gigs for us at brooklyn mirage closing last year mm. black coffee trilogy and um all of them sold out. Yeah, you know, he's 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 massively loved in New York. Well, he's massively loved everywhere. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'd say it's a combination of those things and um and and uh, a tenacity of an, of the individual. It, it's either a tenacity or that you are that intriguing to everyone else that people just need more from you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? Because there's no one way. Because your your work ethic is 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 higher than a lot of artists. I know you're very driven. Yeah, I would say that. It's I there's yeah. there's yeah. like for me, I would I'm happy to say this, there's less talent but way more work ethic, and it's it. I don't think that's no. I I don't. I'm I'm really not saying that. I'm really not saying that to like fish for a compliment or say like that is genuinely how i feel is like yes i have talent but i know i will outwork anyone in the room and yeah. until i have to yeah. get there that's the only thing so yeah it's yeah, it's a process absolutely. right and i think yeah <laughs> i think the process is different for everybody um mm-hmm. but the luck aspect isn't i think the luck aspect no. is for everyone and there's people dance music's in a very interesting space right now because it's very commercial in a non disrespectful way to the the music it's very commercially viable you have the likes of black coffee you have the likes of fisher like Mm -hmm. winning awards that are usually won by movie stars and by (coughs) rock bands and by pop stars And electronic yeah. music is being created, being pushed into the masses on a huge scale in America. Like you have Drake, you have Beyonce putting out dance albums that are produced by underground artists. That is mm. something that we have never experienced apart from in the 90s when dance, when house DJs or producers were remixing like Madonna and people like that. Like, now they're actually creating the records for them so it's like it's a very interesting time it's a really interesting time and i I think i think it's only going to get better really yeah yeah i agree and i mean i i always um 
I'm always fascinated by people's story of how they found dance music yeah. and especially US side. The majority of the time, the, the route, the pathway to kind of the, the good stuff um, is is starting out with hip hop. Yeah. Um, and then moving into kind of more commercial EDM. Yeah. And then suddenly discovering, you know, slightly more commercial stuff. Yeah. And then suddenly you're getting into like more, you know, more of your underground. Yeah. So, um, but, but yes, and it's, it has a huge part to play. And I think, I, I, I personally think it's only, it's only a good thing if it exposes it more widely. Um, and the joy of, of that music can be, can be spread more widely. Um, as long as it's, um, as long as they can find the really good stuff underneath. You yeah. Know? yeah yeah totally i remember the first time i came well it wasn't the first time i came to america but the first time i came to america for music and i was 20 and <clears throat> i visited one of my mates that was from the uk he was studying at unc in uh north carolina mm -hmm. and like everyone listened to hip-hop like it was I, and I'd never even, like, obviously I've heard hip hop, but like in the UK, <laughs> we like grew up with like the biggest hip hop artists, right? Like Dre, 50 Cents, Eminem, like that kind of. Even Julio and that was it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like right. 90s, yeah. early noughties, classic hip hop that we all know and love. Um, and these like, everyone was listening to just like fucking hip hop that I'd never heard of before. And it's still the yeah. same. It's like there's like mm. the whole mumble rap thing is like it's all a completely different culture than what we get in the UK and what we hear in the UK. Um, so it's, it's definitely an eye opener to see like in the UK where dance music is such it's so in the culture of of our life. It's just so there that even if it's a commercial record, you can guarantee that there's a dance record in the charts all the time. Um, yeah, but but that but that I think I think the size of the UK and the fact that we have central streams yeah. of um, radio stations yeah. and that like Radio One, for example, plays a huge part in yeah. UK dance music culture. There's no centralised radio stations here. Yeah, like there's, there's no there's no um, Radio One in America mm -hmm. where there's an opportunity to influence the masses. Like yeah. everything's real separated. Um, and it's just no, it's just, it's just the sheer size of America yeah. that, yeah, it's just, it's just never had the same level of exposure. But yeah, dance music in the UK is just weaved into our daily culture everywhere. Yeah. And here it, here it definitely is not. It's definitely very hip hop heavy still, yeah. even today. You know. Do you book hip hop at the venue? Obviously, you don't personally, but do, does the hip hop ever come to Brooklyn Mirage? No. Not really, no, no. I um, so Boiler Room actually over here now are doing yeah. like electronic hip hop leaning bits, but no, we don't in general. Is that because um, it's more like a UK based company that like Boiler Room is UK, right? Yep, Boiler yeah. Room UK. Is that because they are kind of pushing UK grime and things like that, or is that just because that's the vibe they're going for? I think this is the direction they're going for now. Like they booked young uh, MA, who's yeah. like a Brooklyn-based um, act, um, and it, it went down really well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the direction they're kind of taking, and they're doing really well in the US because of it. Yeah, um, I love that. 
but yeah, we 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 your. I mean, our um, our ownership is European. Yeah. Um. So I just think naturally we lean more into into European um, electronic bookings. You yeah. know. Well, I guess also like, and this isn't kind of talking shit on Brooklyn Mirage, but like hip hop is so big that it's probably actually too small for bigger hip hop acts. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Wild times. Well, this podcast actually comes out in January, I think. So I hope you had a good Christmas. Thanks. You too. Um, are you um are you going back to England or are you staying in I'm Detroit? in England now. I'm in I'm in oh, my, yeah. yeah, I'm in my place oh. in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, so I have uh a show tomorrow in London and Saturday in Spain and then I am back until New Year's Eve. Well, 28th and then back to america for new year's eve oh, well, where are you playing on new year's so the 30th of december i'm in um seattle 31st i've got two shows in san diego so should be good um, yeah. what have you guys got cool. new year's eve um we are working with like an external promoter for new year's eve new year's day we've got such a box oh cool That'd new year's day is the big party here yeah yeah. New Year's Day, I actually go away on a holiday. Amazing. Where are you going? Going to Joshua Tree. I've never been. Oh, Have you been? Amazing. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going with my mate. Well, Born, you know, do you know Born Day? You know Born Day. Yeah. 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 I'm going with him, his girlfriend, and his mum. It's going to be well cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the most wholesome, wholesome holiday I've ever been on. That's amazing. Are you doing, you like, what's the room situation? Yeah, we're that? not sharing rooms. We're not going that way. I'm okay, definitely getting my own room. I might, have to find a, I might have to find a friend to take with me as well, but uh, who knows? <laughs> um, uh, when, are you, when are you back in the UK? I'll fly back on Saturday. Cool. Well, hit me up. I, where are you going to be? So I'm in the Midlands a bit and I'm in London a bit. Okay, cool. I'm so in... we've got a defective party at Printworks, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. We yeah. just got New Year's Day, so cool. I'll be down there. I'm in I'm in London next week as well okay. on Wednesday. Um but you're I guess you go back for New Year's right, New Year's Day to Brooklyn Mirage. Um, no, I'm staying in the UK um because I'm oh, you said in my six weeks. Oh yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, we're new oh, cool. we're in the old O one. So <laughs> Rough, yeah. rough times. It's always the worst time, isn't it? It's so nerve-wracking. <laughs> Are they going to give it to me? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get that done, and then get, I'm, I'm back here in February. So New York goes quiet early January. Everybody's in, like, Tulum and, yeah. you know, travelling. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty quiet in January, and then, um, and then ramping up, basically, February, March april and then may we open the mirage mirage so. back back on the grind um mm -hmm. i would say how can people follow you and get in touch with you but you probably don't want people to get in touch with you about fucking getting booked at brooklyn mirage because you're going to be inundated by emails <laughs> going please book me <laughs> um so do you, I, want, um, do you want to promote got, anything yes in my yeah my yeah my 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 um ig my my ig for all my work bits is um at walker dot music underscore i think cool um and that's got all the different stuff that i do so Amazing. Yeah. 
mate thank you so much for coming on i've loved this conversation it's been really good thank you yeah same good to see you keep safe keep in touch and big love and that's a wrap big love to everybody please hit subscribe please enjoy the podcast and give us a review um send it to your mates please share it with everybody if you enjoyed it it um means the world and it just keeps the podcast going keep safe and i will see you next time lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.